what a day that will be uh, when my Jesus I shall see. I want to welcome everybody who's here this morning, uh, especially those who are watching uh, online. If you're there on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, on YouTube, be sure to heart to like to share, follow us there, subscribe on YouTube. Uh, welcome to our phone live streaming folks who are listening there also. So welcome to you. I uh, want to encourage you, if you have access to our church website, go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab that you can download the worship bulletin uh, for today. And uh, these are in the windowsills at the doors also. So be sure to pick up uh, those as well as the children's worship bulletins are in the windowsill to my right. You can also download those uh, from the website there also. Uh, also, while you're there, um, and Pastor Matt will say more about this a little bit later, be sure to do your online giving while you're there on the website. So I uh, just wanted to say welcome to you and thank you for being here this morning. Uh, what a day and what a day and what a way to start off uh, our service this morning, to start with baptism. Uh, we've been looking forward to this one for about a month or a little, a little over a month there. Uh, and so we're glad that we're able to do this uh, this morning. So I wanted to share with you a little bit about baptism first, about what we believe about baptism, uh, because we understand that baptism is not something that saves us, but it is what we do in obedience to what Jesus has commanded us to do. And it's a picture of what ha has happened in our hearts and in our lives, that just as Christ uh, died and was buried in the tomb and arose from the grave on the third day, we too are, when we trust in Jesus, are dead to our sins and we arise to walk in a newness of life. And in fact, that's what Paul says in Romans chapter 6. Uh, he says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And so it's this morning that uh, Riley comes uh, to be baptized. So Riley, if you'll go ahead and come. This is Riley Purdom. Riley, what is your profession of faith? Lord and Savior. Jesus is Lord. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism, risen to walk in newness of life. Amen. And her dad, Brian, comes. Ryan, what is your profession of faith? Jesus is Lord. Upon your profession of faith as Jesus is Lord, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in baptism. Amen. 
Amen. What an exciting way to begin our service this morning. I just want to begin with a, a moment of prayer, and then a little while later, after we sing one of our songs, uh, Pastor Matt is going to come and share our announcements and our missionary moment. We do have a video, Pastor Matt, uh, on our golden offering for Tennessee Missions at that time, too. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blessing of this day. Thank you that we can join together to worship you, and thank you for uh, what we've just experienced, Lord. There may be others who are here uh, who may ne have never trusted by faith in Jesus. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. We pray that this would be the day of salvation for them. Uh, others, Lord, who may not have yet followed through in obedience with baptism uh, and giving that outward picture to others of what has happened in following in obedience to what Christ has commanded us to do. And so, Father, we just pray that you would stir the hearts of every person who's here this morning. May the songs prepare us as we worship you. Uh, may the message, Lord, speak to our hearts from your word. And we just ask your blessings upon this worship service, your blessings upon these two who have come through the waters of of baptism. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Mike. As the choir is moving up to their positions, John 15, 9 says, I love you, now remain in my love. So join us right now by standing and let's sing, Oh, how he loves you and me. We'll do both verses, Tom. morning church so Christopher uh, your dad texted me and said you're actually preaching this morning so I hope you're ready buddy so get ready hey it's good to have y'all see everyone this morning parents real quick want to have this opportunity to have your attention if you received your newsletter in the mail this week uh, please be sure to read that there is a lot of important information on it and I want to go over just briefly with you you see three QR codes those are really easy to use if you don't know how to use them uh, ask your teenager, they will show you how. And so, uh, one is to talk about camp and what we'll be doing at camp this year. The second one is you can actually go ahead and pay your camp deposit online on our website. And so it's first come, first serve, whoever gets that deposit in. And the third one 
is a new resource that is absolutely free for you. It is called Screen Smart, and it is a, a online parenting course that addresses current technology questions that you may have as a parent. And uh, get, you get an email once a week, usually on Monday. And it's very brief, very short. It may either be a quick video, something quick to read, or a podcast to listen to. And I promise you it will be very helpful for you as you come across some of these questions when it comes to technology, such as when should I get my kid a cell phone? Um, how do I even uh, program my cell phone to put you know, parental controls on it? So some of these things are very important and I think will be a good resource for you to use. Also, if you will, turn with me into your bulletins as we look at Craig and Maggie Kopenbarger. I think that's how you say that. But we're going to take a moment and pray for them. You can read that. Uh, but before we get praying, let's just uh, go to the Lord and thank him for uh, this time together. And let's pray for this couple. Father, we thank you for Craig and Maggie and all the work they do for your glory. God, we thank you for the opportunity to pray for uh, their ministry. We pray for Valor Church in Missouri. God, we pray for their residency program, which is training people to be, who are called in ministry uh, to serve in future uh, mission work. God, we pray that for those who are going through this program, God, that you would help them, be with them, Father. Uh, help them to uh, just have a good understanding of your word, to be able to teach it correctly, Father, to, to understand the truth of your scriptures. And God, we just pray that you would continue to send laborers into the harvest. God, we thank you for this time together that we get to gather and worship you. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. Father, we pray uh, for this service. Lord, you'd be with Pastor Jim. Help him as he has prepared this message. Father, speak through him. And Lord, help us to examine our hearts. And Father, may we enline them with yours. Father, thank you for this beautiful day and for this opportunity uh, to be together and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Real quick, we have a, a golden offering video from uh, the mission board. And so also uh, be, also be reminded that you can uh, give your offering on your way out. Drop it in the offering plate below or at the doors or in the back of the, as you leave as well. Thank you. You know, a lot of people have a sense of hopelessness when it comes to this world. What I see on the college campus is an incredible opportunity for us to engage the next generation and really see Jesus make a difference in this world. Our vision here at the UTCBCM is to help students build community. We also want to help students develop as leaders and we want to give students the opportunity to share the gospel. So we help students build community by being involved in small groups. We have life groups that meet every week. Then we have larger groups that meet together for weekly gatherings, worship gatherings. My big takeaway from being involved with the BCM would be being able to have that, that community around me all the time. And it's just a big support system. And just even knowing that like they're praying for me is just such a huge blessing especially being at a public college. I think that's really special and I'm very thankful for it. This really is a student-led ministry and we love to use students to lead ministry here on UTC's campus. But the peace of the Lord comes when, when we surrender to Him. BCM has had an impact on me since my freshman year. It's helped me see what God can do when we are really living in community 
and how accountability and fellowship is what spurs on our growth and helps us serve better. It's also helped me become a leader using my gifts and skills that the Lord has given me. I've been provided with so many opportunities to serve in ways that I hadn't been able to before college. And another thing is we want to help students share the gospel. We want to train them how to share the love of Jesus with other people. We want to give them opportunities on campus and off campus uh, to be able to do just that. Today we're doing prayer and popsicles out here on Chamberlain Field. Um, so we're walking around uh, passing out popsicles and drinks to students and then asking them if they have anything they would like us to pray for. We have prayer request cards that we fill out and put on our prayer box. So it's a neat opportunity to just you know, share the love of Christ through passing out uh, a popsicle on a nice day, but also to ask them if they have prayer requests. And then if they don't know what that is or have questions about it, it opens up a good conversation of what is prayer? Why do we pray? Why are we out here doing this? When it comes to evangelism, BCM has encouraged me to share my faith on campus. One, through being a part of the community and growing, it's, it's made it easier to just be in my classes and it's just natural to share um, the light of Christ with others. But also BCM is amazing in that when you're out in your classes and you're meeting people, you have somewhere to bring them into that's close by to them where they can begin to get connected and learn more about Christ. When students come to college, one of the most important things that they can do is connect with other students. And here at the BCM, we really want students to connect with, with Christ followers. It's an opportunity uh, for students to, to not just come to school and go to class and get involved in all the outside trappings, but to really build deep connections with other Christians. My daughter, who's a junior here at the BCM, she was telling me about the Wednesday lunches that the BCM has to allow kids to come, good place just to have a good meal and, and experience you know, some fellowship and maybe get a little taste of what it's like to be a Christian. So I've been down here four times now, uh, providing meals for the kids and the staff here. I think as a parent, the value that me and my wife have seen of our daughter being here and being involved with BCM is just knowing that she's got a good, safe place to be, a community of fellow believers and kids that are just kind of learning and growing. Uh, there's so much that goes on in the life of a college student and, and to be able to have that immediate family, the support, has really helped her immensely. Uh, I've seen her grow spiritually while she's been here, uh, you know, attending the Bible studies and, and all the fellowships here at the BCM. And so it, it's really been a, a godsend for us as his parents. Any way you slice it, Tennessee is a mission field. And there's really no greater mission field than the college campus. Because of the giving of Tennessee Baptists, we can have a Baptist collegiate ministry right here on UTC's campus. That's my cue. I didn't even see Brother Matt get up and walk out. <laughs> you don't have to stand on this one, but go ahead and take your hymnals and turn to 140. Sing with us as we sing all four verses of Down at the Cross. Please join the choir.
times it's very difficult to sing, and that's when you're crying or you've got a frog in your throat. <clears throat> so please stand and know that the children's church will be gathering on the piano side over here. But stand as we sing the next hymn, which is Beneath the Cross of Jesus. It's not one that we sing a lot, but uh, please listen to the words, and, and let's praise the Lord through this song. Beneath the Cross of Jesus. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to John's Gospel, John chapter 19. While you're doing that, uh, don't forget about our backpack ministry. If you've signed up for that, uh, please be sure to bring those clothes back. Someone dropped some off outside of my office but didn't put their name on them. Uh, so if you would make sure to see me before you leave uh, this morning because we want to make sure we had the right ones. I don't remember uh, someone signing up for four uh, different uh, sets there. So that's why we need to make sure we have the correct person there. Uh, as well as the correct sizes that we're accounting you for. So thank you. And I'm looking forward to tonight. 
Um, I don't know if Pastor Matt had said anything about that earlier, uh, but Christopher's going to be preaching tonight, so um, we're looking forward to that. Uh, it's a wonderful blessing uh, anytime your children are involved in ministry, and uh, it's overwhelming our hearts. He's going to be here tonight to preach for the service, so I encourage you to come back if you can. I told him when he asked me about it, I said, you might want to preach for the evening service because there's usually a lesser crowd here, but from what I've been hearing, <laughs> I don't know, it may be just about as many as are here on a Sunday morning. So, so sorry, Christopher. <laughs> so as you got your Bibles there, you're in John's Gospel, John chapter 19. We're just going to begin uh, with one verse. I've entitled my message this morning, Family Matters, and you'll understand that in just a moment. So let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. John chapter 19, verse 25. But standing by the cross of Jesus were His mother and His mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the worship and song. Again, thank you for the baptism. And Lord, we thank you for your word, for your word is powerful, it's alive, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And we pray, Father, that you will uh, send forth your word and your word would pierce our hearts. Lord, you would speak your truth into our lives that if we're here this morning or we're watching online and we don't know Christ as our Lord and Savior, use this passage, Lord, to help us to understand that family does matter and how that matters spiritually for us to become a part of your family. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you will speak to those uh, individuals' hearts who are without faith in Christ. But Lord, there are many of us who may be here this morning or watching online who already know Christ by faith. Lord, I pray that you will use this passage also to give us some instruction, to lead us, Lord, and guide us for the days ahead to help us to have a closer walk with you and for us to understand that family matters too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. So as you've already seen by the title here, we're going to be looking at some family matters. But first I want to say to you this morning is that family matters. Family matters to all of us. It matters uh, about our fathers. It matters about our mothers. Yeah, that's what we're going to see here is about Jesus' mother. Uh, in Jesus' last six hours of his life, he gives us here several things that, we, that ought to be on everybody's uh, mind. He shows us by the way that he lived, uh, that the only way to live, and that's the way we should be thinking and caring for others. As you listen to his last words here in these verses we're going to be looking at this morning, uh, his last words here is interesting to us th to note that the first three statements he makes uh, as he's being crucified is about others. Uh, I remember as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, he was looking down from the cross on that mob who was crying out, crucify him, and he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Uh, and so he was concerned about others as he asked the Father for forgiveness for them. Uh, we saw last week uh, that as he was hanging between those two thieves, he was concerned about them also as he looks to the one uh, on his right who had said, remember me when you come into your kingdom, and he grants to this man forgiveness and salvation. And now in this, these verses that we're looking at, 
we see he's still concerned about others. Uh, he, his last words here are to his mother and to one of his disciples uh, who's watching him die because there's one last thing that he has to take care of from the cross uh, and uh, he turns his attention here from the mob, from the ones who are hanging on the cross beside him to his family. He has some family matters, if you will, to attend to. You know, as you think about getting older and you think about getting closer and closer to that time when we all will pass away, when we will, if you know Christ, you'll enter into heaven with him. We think about providing for our families uh, as we leave this world, leaving a, a lasting legacy. Uh, somebody once said that, that we spend the first half of our lives fighting with our parents and the second half of our lives fighting with our children. You know, those things you fought with your parents about, now your kids are fighting with you about. And so I believe here we're going to spend, some, spend all of our lives right up to our very last breath taking care of our family and making sure, if at all possible, that we're right with our family. The last tender words here of Jesus teach us how to do that and make sure that before we leave this earth, that we are leaving our lives complete, especially as it relates to our family. So here are three things I want to share with you this morning about your families that you ought to make sure you make as a priority. Here's the first. Love your family selflessly. Love your family selflessly. We see that in verse 25 and verse 26. We've already read verse 25, so move on down, if you will, to verse 26. So when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, now who's writing this gospel? John is, and that's the way John refers to himself. Many times in John's gospel, he refers to himself as the one who, the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby. He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. So think about what's going on here in, 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 the, in the context of this passage here. If there was ever a time when you'd expect anybody to be thinking only of themselves or anything else and nobody else, I think this would be that kind of time when, when a person's about to die. As, even as Jesus is facing not only a physical death, but a separation from his heavenly Father like no one has ever experienced, all he could think about was others. He asked God the Father, as we said, to forgive those, those persecutors who had deserved to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of God's law. He had changed the, the death penalty of a prisoner to eternal life, and, and now he's turning his attention to the most precious person to him in the crowd that day, his mother. No mother in history ever had a son like Mary did. No son was ever loved uh, like Jesus loved her. No, no mother was ever loved that way. Jesus, here he is, he's bearing the weight of the sin of the entire world on his shoulders, and it's about to become, uh, he, he's about to become the first and the only member of God's family to walk through the valley of the shadow of death without even one angel to go with him. He's about to enter into a spiritual no-man's land, if you will, and yet he takes this last opportunity to ensure his mother that he's taking, he's taking care of her. 
his first, he first saw the face of his mother in a cradle. You remember that when he was born and she had wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Hers was the first face for him to see when he entered into the flesh. How could Jesus look into this crowd filled with taunts and cursing and mocking and pick out his mom? His heart was breaking for the heart of his mother. Here she was witnessing her son being crucified on a cross, witnessing the death of her son. And that in and of itself is, is something uh, that's not only unnatural, it was unnerving. I mean, you don't expect to have to watch your children die. You don't expect to have to bury your child. You expect to outlive, uh, for them to outlive you, uh, for you to go first. But here is Mary who's watching her son Jesus hanging on that cross and, and the life is, is ebbing out of him throughout these moments. He's dying the most painful, shameful, excruciating death known to mankind. And she surely thought, it's unnecessary. Why? Maybe every other man being crucified that day deserved to be deserved it. Uh, this guy on this side and this one on the other side, they were thieves. We talked about how they were brutal thieves. But not her son. He had never done anything wrong. Not the son. I mean, the, here was Jesus who was never scolded by his mom, never spanked, never corrected. Uh, he, he was, he, here is Jesus, the son in whom even his own mother never found any fault with him. Think about it. He was never sent to time out, never told to go clean his room, never rebuked for talking back, never called to the principal's office. He wouldn't even fight with his own brothers and sisters. And yet, here he is dying the death of a convicted criminal. And then Jesus looks at her with those loving eyes and gives her those reassuring words. Woman, behold your son. So what is Jesus saying there? Is Jesus saying, woman, behold your son? No. He's not speaking here about himself. He's speaking about John, his disciple, his follower, who is standing there by his mom. And he's saying to her, woman, behold your son. Now, you can't gesture with his hands but, because they're nailed to the cross, but that's what he's saying here. He's saying to her, don't worry about the future. I took care of you while you're alive, John, or while I was alive. John is going to take care of you after I'm gone. And it may surprise you to see that Jesus here, he addresses Mary not by the name mother, but by the word woman. He says, woman, behold your son. Now, don't let that throw you for a couple of reasons. Back in those days, that was a term of respect. That was a term of honor. As a matter of fact, never in the Gospels has Je is Jesus ever recorded as calling Mary mother. And here on the cross, he doesn't call her mother. Why? Because at this moment, he wasn't primarily her son. He was primarily her Savior. 
She had always uh, been an earthly mother, but he has all, really always been a heavenly son. So this is the point, not to forget, that even though Jesus was dying as her Savior, he didn't forget that while living, he was still her son. He had just provided a, a heavenly home for this wicked thief hanging on a cross next to him, and now he provides an earthly home for his wonderful mother. He loved his family selflessly. I want to say this to some of you who are here this morning because this may be hard for some of you to listen to. Because you may say, but you don't know my family. You don't know how my father treated me. You don't know how my mom treated me. You may have been mistreated by your family members. You may have been ostracized. You may have been disowned. You may have been left out. It may be that you've tried to love some of your family and you've been rejected. You may say, but you just don't know my family. I don't know your family, but God does. And you may be the only Jesus they ever see. I want to say to you, there's a great lesson here from what Jesus did on the cross. Take every opportunity to love those who are dearest to you. Make sure you love them before you leave them or before they leave you. And yes, you may have to swallow your pride to take that first step. They may not come uh, seeking forgiveness for things they did, but you as a Christian are to be an example of Christ and to show love and forgiveness towards them. You may run the risk of being rejected again, but don't think of yourself. Think about them and think about loving them selflessly. Secondly, leave your family thoughtfully. Leave your family thoughtfully. Notice verse 27 in the first part here. In the first part of verse 27, he said to the disciple, again speaking to John, he says, Behold your mother. So Jesus has just assured his mother that he's going to take care of her. He's going to look after her. She knows that now because of the next thing that Jesus says to the disciple standing next to her. Behold your mother. So he looks at this disciple who we know is John, who wrote this gospel, who, and he says in effect this, John, I'm going through to a throne. I want you to take care of my mom who's going to your home. He didn't really ask John here. It's not really a request. It's a command. Uh, you're going to take my mother and you're going to take care of my mother. I don't want you to miss the timing of this statement. Because understand, Jesus is at the peak of his agony. He's at the peak of his torment and his suffering and his pain. And he's doing his greatest and his hardest work that he ever did. And yet he's calling time out. Time out. Let me address the situation here. Let me take care of my mom. You see, even when you're doing God's work, or even when you're just trying to make a living for your family, no matter what you're doing, you ought to never neglect your family. Your life ought to be God first, family second, yourself last. And that ought to be the way it is in everything in our lives, that we are always last. Even to the very end here, Jesus wanted to be the best son that he could be. Now, the thought may have crossed your mind. Why is he turning his mother over to this guy who's not even a relative? 
Because think about it. Here's Mary, who's most likely a widow at this point. Joseph, his earthly father, had passed away, had already probably died at this point. We assume that because the last time Joseph was mentioned was when Jesus was about 12 years old and had stayed behind to talk uh, about the Word of God in the temple with the Pharisees. After that, Mary is mentioned many times. Remember the, the miracle there at the wedding feast? Mary is mentioned many times, but Jesus, uh, Joseph is never. Uh, as the firstborn son, it was expected that he would take care of his widowed mother. But wait just a moment. We know from the scriptures that Jesus had other brothers and sisters. What about them? Well, the problem was, you remember, they didn't believe in Jesus. In fact, they didn't believe in Jesus until after the resurrection. Uh, so the, the, they were nowhere to be found. So Jesus turns to John, who's a non-relative, who's become even closer to him and more trusted to him than his own brothers and sisters. But there's something else going on here. We wouldn't understand what's happening by reading this with our own eyes, but in the Jewish thought, any instruction of a dying man had the same legal force as if it was written on a piece of paper. In other words, in essence, Jesus is writing out or speaking out, if you will, his last will and testament. It wasn't very long. I read the other day where the longest ever probated uh, will was, that's ever been found was bound up in four volumes. It had 95,940 words, 1,066 pages. Couldn't imagine a will that long. But guess what? The shortest will on record that was probated in Great Britain, it was three words. All for mother. You talk about a practical application. 70% of all Americans die without a will. You know something? That, that's horrible. Because when you die without a will, guess who probates the will? And guess who decides who gets what and where everything goes? The state. The government. Now, a word to the, those of you who are young parents that are just getting started. You may, this may not even be on your radar, but I want to put it on your radar. E even though you think you may not have very much, I remember when we made our first will, we didn't have very much. We were living in a parsonage. We didn't even have a house uh, to leave to the kids or anything. We didn't have hardly anything in any kind of retirement, any kind of financial assets to leave for the kids. But let me ask you, if you're a parent here this morning, you have children. Who's going to take care of your children after you're gone? If you don't have that written down somewhere, guess who decides? The state does. I didn't like that option, so we decided we we're going to write a will, and that was one of the main things we put in our will, what was going to happen to the kids if something should happen to both of us at the same time. It, you, heaven forbid, you don't expect that to happen, but you, you ought to make sure that you take the time to do that. Uh, you ought to write that ahead of time. Most of us have at least some valuable family heirlooms. Don't leave those for the kids to fight over. I can't tell you the number of times that I've seen family, kids uh, squabbling over what mom and dad left and no, I'm, I'm getting this and then they wind up in court uh, fighting one another. So don't leave, write it all down. Make sure everybody knows who's getting what. Make sure you leave your family thoughtfully. But here's also what I want to say. Be the best brother 
you could be. Be the best sister you could be. Be the best daughter. Be the best son you could ever be. Make sure that when you leave this life, you're not leaving it with any regrets. You've said everything you needed to say. You did everything you needed to do. You've, you've demonstrated the love of God the best you could. So make sure you leave your family thoughtfully. Jesus was making sure his mom was taken care of after he was gone. But here's the third point, and this is probably the most crucial point. Lead your family spiritually. Lead your family spiritually. We find this in the last part of verse 27. So he had said to that disciple, John the Baptist, he said, Behold your mother. And then it says, And from that hour the disciple, who was John, took her to his own home. Now, when you read this, there's still a question to be answered. Why did John record these words by Jesus? Because he was the only one of the gospel writers who did. Why did the Holy Spirit want to make sure that we knew about this conversation? Well, you see what happens there at the end of verse 27. Not only did a mother adopt a new son, but a son adopted a new mother, and Jesus arranged the whole thing. Jesus wasn't going to leave this earth with any loose ends hanging when it came to his family. There was not going to be any regrets. He had two simple responsibilities to fulfill as a Savior and a Son, and he did both of those things. There's only one thing ever that, that every one of us have in common, that we'll, we all either have or have had parents. Jesus, when he dies upon this cross, he is fulfilling the fifth commandment, which says, honor your father and your mother. Understand this, when you become an adult, that doesn't absolve you of doing that as a child to your parents. You're never too young and you're never too old to honor your parents. And your parents are, are never too old to be honored. If Jesus could, could honor his mother while he's dying on the cross here, how much more should we honor our parents while we're living? Uh, so understand this, the older our parents get, the more determined we ought to be to love them and to look after them and to care for them. Because understand that parents are never a burden, they're a blessing, just like children are a blessing to us as parents. So let me ask you this, are your parents still living? How is your relationship with them? Do you make room for them in your schedule? When, when, when you were young, they served you and they met every need that you had. Are you returning the favor? If, if we were to ask your parents, do you feel honored by your son or your daughter, how would they respond? Don't ever grow too old or get too busy to spend time with your parents, to learn from them, to make sure that you know how much you, they love you and how much you respect them. Even parents who have not treated you well, there are some things you can learn about them and learn for your life. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to have that in my life. So that's an example there for you to, to be able to learn what not to do. You can learn from the mistakes of even godly parents. And so uh, understand that God will honor you if you honor your parents. For those of you who may have parents who you think don't deserve uh, to be honored, remember this last point about leading your family spiritually. You may be wondering how that fits in because, again, John wasn't really family. Think about it. He was a devoted friend. 
He was a faithful disciple, but he wasn't a blood relative. He wasn't family by blood. Uh, and, and so here was an there was an occasion where Jesus was in the house. There was a great crowd that had been gathered. In fact, there was standing room only. In fact, they were outside trying to get in. And somebody made their way inside to Jesus. And do you remember what they said to Jesus? They said, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And listen to what Jesus said over in Mark's gospel in Mark chapter 3 and verse 33 down through verse 35. And he answered them, who are my mothers and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Understand this this morning, faith ties are closer and even greater than family ties. Heavenly ties are greater than earthly ties. John was family. John was Jesus' brother spiritually. And so what Jesus was really saying was this. He's saying, I'm taking your place in my death, so I want you to take my place in your life. We are his brothers and his sisters if we know Christ as Lord and Savior. We are his sons and his daughters. Do you know why John accepted this responsibility and he took on this assignment without one word of complaint? He didn't say, oh, wait, 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 Jesus, I don't have room at my house. How am I going to take care? I'm having to take care of my own family. How am I going to take care of your mom also? He didn't argue. He, in fact, uh, uh, obviously doing it willingly and gladly is what he did. And so because Jesus had spent three years leading him spiritually, showing him how to live a sacrificial life that always puts others first, that made all the difference in John's life. There was no question, I got you, Jesus. I'm going to take care of your mother. Let me ask you to do something this morning. Look around you. Look at the person sitting next to you, the person sitting in front of you, the person sitting behind you. I don't care if you like them or you don't like them. If they are in Christ, they are family. The church is family. You are brothers and sisters in Christ. And one day, we're going to leave our earthly family for our heavenly family. So get this. That person that's sitting around you, or they may be sitting all the way across the congregation from you, or they may not even be here this morning, that you don't like. If they know Christ as their Lord and their Savior, you're going to be with them for eternity in heaven. So get used to it. Get used to it. This is family. These are brothers and sisters in Christ. Make sure that you love one another before we leave one another. Love your family selflessly. Leave your family thoughtfully and lead your family spiritually. Understand this, parents, the greatest ministry that you'll ever have in this world is to your children. To make sure that at the very least, they've had that opportunity to know about Jesus, to know about the good news of the gospel, to be able to have that opportunity to respond by faith in Jesus as our Lord and their Savior. That's the greatest mission field you'll ever have. Kids, and that's to everybody, even adult kids. Make sure you love your mom and your dad. Why? 
because of the testimony that leaves to the next generation of believers and to the world around us. Because what does the gospel tell us? That they shall know that we are his disciples, that we are his followers, if we have love one for another. Understand that Jesus died on that cross so you could be a part of his heavenly family. We ought to love our family the way Jesus loved his because family matters. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. What a wonderful picture of Jesus taking care of his mother even while he's in agony and pain and suffering there on the cross. Father, I pray that there would be nothing in our life, no excuse in our life that we would make for why we shouldn't be loving our family. Father, I pray that if we're here this morning and maybe we're one of those who've never trusted by faith in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, Lord, I pray that we have seen through the baptism this morning, through this passage, through the love of Jesus from the cross to his mother and his love to us to make a way for us to be a part of his family that we would see that in the gospel message, to know that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and Jesus died in our place that we deserve to die. And Lord, I pray that we would trust in him this morning by faith, that we would just simply call out to you and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I believe in what Jesus did for me on the cross. I believe that he took my place. He was buried in that tomb and arose from the grave on the third day to give me eternal life. Jesus, come into my life and save me. I repent of my sin, I turn away from it, and I turn to follow you. And help me, Lord, to live for you all the days of my life, to love my family the way Jesus did. Father, if someone's prayed something like that in their own heart, in their own words, and they were sincere in that, Father, I pray that they would come forward this morning to publicly profess that faith in Christ. If they're watching online, may they just comment there in the comments so we can be able to follow up with them. But Lord, there may be many of us who are here this morning as believers, and maybe we've not been loving our family the way we should, loving our earthly family the way we should, nor loving our heavenly family the way we should. And so Father, we come also with repentant hearts. Lord, knowing that there's none of us here that deserve the love you've shown to us. There's no one here that deserves the love we should be showing to them. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to get past that, to get past ourselves, and Lord, to put others before ourselves, to put you in the first priority, and to love others the way you loved us. And that while we were yet sinners, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. So help us to have that kind of sacrificial, selfless love for those around us. Father, I pray that as we do that to our earthly families, as we offer forgiveness, as we seek to restore relationships, even if they don't deserve it, Father, I pray that you'll help us to at least make that effort, Lord, to show the love of Christ towards them in whatever ways that you would open the door of opportunity for. And Father, I pray that you'll use it to restore family relationships. But Lord, even if those individuals won't hear anything of it, Help us, Lord, to know that if we have done that, we, have, we, can, we can live with a clear conscience, knowing we did all we needed to do. So, Father, I pray this morning you would help us to love our earthly families. But Lord, help us to love one another as the church, because we're going to spend eternity together. 
And Father, I just pray for your will to be done in our lives, that it might be a testimony and a witness to the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, Just As I Am, number 307, will you stand, will you make your way and come as the Lord lays on your heart? Brother Mike. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to seated for just a moment. Brother Bobby's going to come and share our announcements. Isn't it good to be in the Lord's house? If that's uh, Amen. Okay. You know, we've had a blessed day today and with the baptism and, and the church service. And on the communion table, it says, do this in remembrance of our Lord. And that's what we're here to worship today. But, you know, with the announcements, I've got a couple announcements. And uh, uh, the announcements, don't forget that Deacon's meeting has been moved to next week because we had quite a few people out of town. Also, Noah Wana's meeting will be this Wednesday night because of fall break. But we will still have the regular Wednesday night worship service uh, at 6 o'clock. Prime timers will be at 12 o'clock uh, on Tuesday. It'll be potluck. Uh, you know, it's good to have our vesters with us. Marilyn McClendon's back. Christopher and his friends are back. We've got something special to tell you. Tonight, come and be a part because Brother Christopher will be bringing our evening message. So, Brother Jim, if I was you, I'd be worried, okay? <laughs> It's always good when our children come back home. And so that's going to be a blessing. Also, don't forget that there's a personnel meeting immediately over at the piano right after service. Uh, for prayer concerns, we want to offer our Christian sympathy to Lori Foster uh, and her family in the passing of her mother, Bernice Cox. They used to worship with us, but then they moved, I think, to either Alabama or Florida or somewhere. Uh, okay, but uh, uh, let's be in prayer for one another. Is there any other announcements or uh, prayer concerns? I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Pat also said that the stewardship uh, 
committee will meet in the conference room following the closing prayer. Let's close in prayer. Father, again, we do want to thank you for all of your many blessings. Father, thank you for the ones that were baptized today, for each and every one that came out to be with us today, for Brother Jim and Brother Matt and Brother Mike and others that lead our congregation. Father, we want to pray and ask your guidance upon our lives. We ask that you forgive us when we fail thee. Thank you for all that you do for us and the care that you provide for us. Let us go in peace. Come back again in your uh, son's name. Amen.